0: The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Scott Black Johnston during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is Dr. Black Johnston.
1: Listen now, for God's word to you on this Pentecost Sunday, as it echoes to us, from the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning with the first
0: verse. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrena, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Every year
1: on this Sunday, as the faithful gather to listen to the story of the first Pentecost, our enthusiastic maintenance crew showers the congregation with thousands of silk rose petals. Tumbling down from the sanctuary's high ceiling, These petals symbolize tongues of fire descending on the disciples, God's spirit giving birth to the church. We put the children in the center aisle to watch, staring upward with obvious delight. They dance among the crimson flutters. It's impossible not to be drawn into the joy of the moment. This year, Amy, my faithful cinematographer and spouse, insisted that we maintain the practice. That's what this is all about. (laughs) As you might guess, the petals of Pentecost make for some serious cleanup. They catch in your hair, they overflow from children's pockets, they stick to people's shoes, In the weeks following Pentecost, red silk discs can be found in every corner of this building. They they travel out onto the Fifth Avenue sidewalk too. Last year, someone in the congregation found one on the sixth train. She sent it back to me by US mail. I'm sure she wrote, this came from FAPC. I keep the prodigal pedal upstairs in my desk drawer. It reminds me of Pentecost's Glorious Cascade, a tradition that will return next year, surely. For those of you who are new to Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, I also have a personal tradition that crops up around this time of year. Late every spring, before departing on summer study leave, I write a sermon entitled, The View From Here. This practice has its roots in an invitation that Joyce Hansen issued on my very first visit to this church. While touring the sanctuary, Joyce said, Scott, why don't you stand in the pulpit? I did. Standing up there, I discovered that this sanctuary puts a busy city street square in the center of the preacher's view so my very first comment from the fifth avenue pulpit was the profound observation hey you can see the disney store from here mickey mouse has long since left the neighborhood Uh, other retailers have come and and gone the city never stops changing It, it never stops moving i love the fact that gotham's kinetic energy intrudes on our worship experience in this grounded place, it's, it's easy to catch glimpses of the urban world that surrounds us. As we tell sacred stories in here, hot dog carts, taxis, police cars wheel by out there. As we sing favorite hymns in here, parades and protests march up Fifth Avenue out there whenever we gather in this sacred space we are only a few clear panes of glass away from god's beloved world and the world in all its drama is only a few clear panes of glass away from us that's a good thing that's as it should be jesus did not go around handing out blindfolds he challenged his followers to look and in looking to care and in caring to engage so what do we see right now when we put on the eyes of christ and peer out our front doors not much a lonely shake shack wrapper tumbling down fifth avenue it's pretty quiet out there We know, of course, that underneath this calm surface, a terrifying undercurrent churns, an insidious force threatening to pull us all out to sea. The numbers are staggering. In this country, two million cases of the virus, 100,000 deaths, 40 million jobs lost, one in four families struggling to put food on the table. These statistics point to the terrible cost this plague has wrung from our hides in only three short months. These numbers also give testimony to people's remarkable courage. I hate to say it, but things could be worse. Uh, They're not, because all across this country Countless folk have rolled up their sleeves and and paddled fiercely against the riptide in in hospital corridors and virtual classrooms, in research labs and on Zoom meetings, driving semi-trucks of supplies, stocking shelves at the local market, cooking meals for, for food pantries. So many have valiantly, generously, and without fanfare, fought this plague. There's legit human goodness on display right now, and this is something to be celebrated. We haven't actually gone all zombie apocalypse on each other, not yet. There's still time. How much time? Who knows? Right now we're running a marathon whose, whose finish line lies somewhere in the mysterious future it's the sort of cha- sort of race the church has gotten used to running. In the, in the good book, Christ's followers are called to keep putting one foot in front of the other until Gabriel blows his horn. Uh, that's how we like to say God's got the finish line covered. Our job is to run the portion of the race in front of us with grace, humility, and love. In this, we need to focus, says marathoner Ryan Hall, not on the many miles we have to go, but on running the mile we're in. What does it mean to run the mile we're in right now? That's a perfect question for Pentecost Sunday. According to the book of Acts, 50 days after Easter, a group of women and men, followers of the resurrected Jesus, were hunkered down in an apartment in Jerusalem. Jesus was gone. The disciples stared at each other. Now what? As they debated next steps, wham! A gust of air swatted open the front door, rattled the shutters, tossed carefully considered lists and plans in the air. It was chaos, and that's before someone started shouting, fire, I'm on fire tongues of flame danced along people's brows, so of course these human pilot lights rush out into the street. What else are you going to do when your head's ablaze? Outside, Christ-inspired followers run up and down the avenue testifying about God's acts of power to everyone and anyone in earshot. Hearing this hubbub, early risers in Jerusalem, folk readying for another market day, stop. They, they set down crates of fruit, they, they lean against push brooms, they, they tilt their heads. What a strange morning! A, a few minutes ago, a, a bunch of excited people came rushing out of that building over there. One ran up to me and started talking about God. N- now this, in and of itself isn't all that unusual. You get used to aggressive religious types in the big city. The fact that someone was up in my grill yammering about God wasn't all that strange. No, the, the strange thing, the unnerving thing, the spine-tingling thing, is that she was speaking my language. It's not the wind, you see. It's, it's not the flames. It, it's the language of pentecost that takes people by surprise why well jerusalem like new york was an incredibly diverse place people from all over the world made their homes in the holy city engaging in trade following their dreams trying to eke out a living as jerusalem's assorted citizenry went about their days Pushing hot dog carts, driving police cars, begging for spare change, they spoke to each other in the Mediterranean basin's most common languages, in snippets of Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. Generally, people knew enough phrases from these three languages to communicate. It wasn't poetry, but they could get by. But in the evening, when breaking bread with family and friends, these immigrants, people from Egypt and Libya, Cappadocia, Asia, and Judea, would relax into the familiar patterns of their native speech, into the cadence of home. The story of Pentecost revolves around this humble fact. On Pentecost, the Word of God shows up, incarnates, in the language people share at their dinner table. The disciples tell the stories of God in a way that reminds everyone who hears them of home. In modeling respectful and caring discourse between diverse people, Pentecost paints an alternative to the way things are, an alternative to the deeply ingrained And terribly destructive ways we often speak to each other and talk about each other. In the early days of this pandemic, many hoped there might be a silver lining to this plague. Perhaps, people said with a crooked smile, this crisis will draw us together. Maybe some some goodwill come of this awfulness. Maybe... Will take this time to heal our appalling divisions. Sadly, of course, that hasn't happened. So some blame politicians and members of the media for squandering our chance to draw together. And that indictment may stick. It did not take long for scientific terms like flattening the curve or medically recommended practices like wearing a mask to become politicized. Did, did you catch the news conference given in Bismarck this past week by the governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum? A Republican, Burgum got downright emotional as he pleaded with the people of his state not to divide over mask wearing this is what he said i would really love to see north dakota skip what other parts of the nation are going through where they're creating a divide it's ideological or political or something around mask versus no mask he went on if someone's wearing a mask they're not doing it to represent what political party they're in or what candidates they support. At this point, Burgum's voice began to waver. They might be doing it because they've got a five-year-old child at home who's going through cancer treatments. They might have vulnerable adults in their life currently fighting COVID. I applaud Burgum. Instead of casting this moment as a zero-sum game, your loss is my win. Instead of turning the pandemic into another opportunity for vilifying opposing politicos, the governor made a simple request. He asked North Dakotans to picture the faces of their neighbors. He asked the people of his home state to exercise a muscle that has atrophied greatly in this country. Burgum made an appeal to empathy. It was a fairly emotional speech, especially for a Midwesterner. It was also, I think, a remarkably spiritual speech, spiritual in that it was delivered with the moral urgency of Pentecost. Our world needs this sort of urgency right now. In the first century, the diverse people living in Jerusalem had deep-seated conflicts with each other, conflicts arising from ancient rivalries and racial hatred, conflicts that were never far below the surface of brutal violence. A gruesome reminder of this lay just outside the city gates. The citizens of Jerusalem needed only raise their eyes just a bit to gaze on Golgotha, a hillside covered with Roman crosses and Jewish corpses. Tragically, similar Golgotha's stand squarely in our society's line of sight. This past February, Ahmad Arbery, a black jogger, was chased down and ultimately killed by two white men in Brunswick, Georgia. He was murdered because the color of his skin made his pursuers suspicious. Where did these suspicions come from? We know the answer. Racial hatred is not something we're born with. It's, it's something that we pass along to each other. It, too, is a deadly virus, a disease we transfer. We transfer it, of course, through language, in the way that we speak to each other and about each other. And this observation takes us back to Pentecost. On Pentecost, God enters our messed up and violent world and does what God always does. God sets about healing our broken places, the politics of division, the scourge of racial hatred, all the ways people demonize each other by doubling down on love. How does God pull this off? It's simple, actually. On Pentecost, God changes the way people talk. And today's story, uh, a fiery courage sends the church out into the street to meet people in their places of deep need. And standing there, the Spirit empowers the faithful to speak about the goodness of God in ways that honor their listeners, that value people's unique stories and struggles, in ways that build trust and weave the fabric of our world. This past week, our new food program, A Place at the Table, got off to a robust start. Over 200 meals were cooked upstairs in the kitchen and later picked up by families from East Harlem and the Upper East Side who have fallen on hard times. Our partner, the Urban Outreach Center, posted a great picture of our own Rodrigo Rosas handing out containers of food. Alongside Rodrigo's photo is a simple descriptor. Hashtag, dignity lives here. Dignity lives here. This, my friends, is the message of Pentecost. On Pentecost, God showered rose petals of dignity down on the people of Jerusalem. All the people. On Pentecost, God lit fires of human empathy and sketched heaven's vision for how things should be. On Pentecost, the Spirit of God pulls the faithful to the door, points through the clear glass and says, We've got a race to run, my friends. There are people to feed. There are wounds to heal. There's love to share. The, the road is long, but, but don't fresh fret over the finish line. You'll know when you get there. It's a bright place, mobbed with all sorts of people, folks speaking every language under the sun, dancing in the red confetti dancing to the sound of Gabriel's joyful horn. My friends, on this Pentecost, approach the world with Christ's peace in your heart. Have courage. Hold fast to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering honor all people, love and serve the Lord. Amen.